horror 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 movie? <laughs> what? <laughs> Let's make our movie? I wonder what we'll be like then. Brains in jars, I'm gonna guess. We're a long way for God knows, son. Slowly Coming out of his mouth. Crawling out yeah, of his mouth, distraction his skin. Right. So he doesn't save them, the bridge goes down, people die, and he's like, oh well, job done. Clarence. Can yeah. we try to take two again? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All I'm saying is maybe don't trust sentient hats to make life-changing decisions, but... <laughs> Thanks for your correspondence, Jacobs. <laughs> Welcome to Let's Make a Horror Movie. This is the podcast where one of us pitches a horror movie idea, concept, if you yep. will, first draft, if, yes. if you want to be generous to the other one. And a the pure other... sketch. A sketch, exactly. Yeah. Exactly, like a, like a rough yeah. sketch done yeah. with kind of mud. What you've run out of charcoals. Yeah. You're you're on location. Yeah. What you're using? You're using nature. So we pitch a horror movie idea each week to yeah. the other one. The other one feeds back, adds to it, or suggests things. Yep. And if we're lucky, the audience out there will go, "Hey, I've got an idea that would yeah. make that shit idea better." <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's this, and you can tweet us. Yeah. At Pod, which as we all know by now is an acronym. For Let's Make a Horror Movie it's podcast. It's boring, mate. You're reading it out again. again. L-M-A-H-M pod. And then an at at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah, I missed that. Yeah. But I was going to say, I think, just fair warning, it's come to my attention that... Oh, by the way, I'm Dave. And I'm, I'm John. That is John. Yep. And it's come to my attention, John. I think every episode we find a way of offending everyone that listens. Oh, yeah, sure. So, I mean, that's, that's the rate of death. Not, not, well, I was <laughs> going to say not intentionally. Oh, sorry. Like, I'm not setting out to offend anybody. It just so happens that I've made a, a terrible of, mistake. <laughs> such a sort of morose kind of... You can't uh, see a whole notebook being thrown away. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, look, so just if you're a kind-hearted and um, gentle, then beware, because... Uh, yeah, we're a couple of dicks that are just basically well, going to offend you. We're just, I think we're just mischievous scamps. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I like that better. Yeah. I'm, you know, brackets dicks. Yeah, yeah. Brackets. Flicking our noses at those in charge. It's in brackets. So the way that this podcast works is that it's in three acts. Yeah. <laughs> what a giggle. Um, <laughs> first act is, uh, very, we're so knowingly funny. Oh, it is. John, that's yeah. the thing. First act is we do feedback that we might have received on our pitch last week. Which is one of mine. Which is one of um, yours, and we'll get onto that in two ticks. The second act of the podcast is cultural highlights of the yeah. week, mostly related to horror. Yeah. If you ignore episode two's act two, which, which has nothing to do with <laughs> horror. We're running around the houses. <laughs> yeah. Hey, look, I, I found it interesting. That's all I'm going to say. Some people did. Some people didn't. Yeah. <laughs> Some people said stick to the source material, which is supposed to be horror. But, you know, stuff happens in life. Yeah. And so the third act is the actual movie pitch itself. And when we put the episode up, as you may or may not have already seen, is I'll actually tell you how long the acts yeah. last and where they start and finish so you can skip all of this verbal diarrhea yeah. if you should wish. But you'll miss out on the hilarious in-jokes. Uh, all the gold will be gone. John, John's wit in... Oh, it's razor sharp. Oh, it's... Oh, My hands are covered in plaster. I'm mate. bleeding already. Anyway, that's us. Welcome. Hello. <laughs> Without further ado then, yeah. I guess Act 1, John. That was it, Act 0 is finished. <laughs> so I got a few things to catch up on then, feedback-wise. But yep. first of all, I wanted to say, last week, your pitch, Triceratops, yep. loved it. You know, in hindsight, because by the end, I'm not going to deny, I was fl- flagging. Nothing to do with your <laughs> pitch, but just to do with my complete mess of a life. There was a few audible clues. 
to those who know Dave very well. <laughs> Which was fewer and fewer people. But yeah, but I called it without thinking because I, I, that was a bit of a rushed edit, that edit, yeah. on, and I called it the Triceratops. I did see that and yeah. I was furious. Well, I wanted yeah, to check. I mean, yeah, I, we, so we, we, we didn't speak for about a week. <laughs> you burned an effigy of me. Yeah. yeah. Oh, the things I said. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Does it matter? Were you fussed? Um, not really. I mean, I do think Triceratops is it's the a name. Better title. Yeah. I mean, it is the title. <laughs> uh, oh, but... it's, not, it's not just title. No. Yeah. <laughs> Sick bird. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, in my head, it was Triceratops because it was a bit more like. Ooh, no, you're mean? right. It is better. And then because I was thinking, I, do you know what really pissed me off was I was thinking of um, potential names for the one I'm going to pitch hmm. in today's episode. Yeah. And Classic narcissism. <laughs> the very fact that I even we even have a podcast is just a huge narcissist flag yeah. right there. Just, hey guys, look at <laughs> look me, at us. look at me. Um, We're so good. Oh, I'm so clever and smart. Bask in our glory. But yeah, no, I, I realised that uh, all the good names that for, that I came up with for, for this one, or potential names, yeah, all began with the. And I was yeah, like, well, we can't sense. do two fucking those in a row. Oh, and I've, I've hamstrung us by calling yours You're the right. when I didn't need to. I do you know what I actually did, I had the idea. I'm not going to call it the because I've had too many the. I did genuinely wasn't. Well, when anyone person. asks me, I'll be like, "Yeah, I know. He's so contrived. <laughs> yeah. He's so contrived. Boring, I mate. Everything's a the. Everything's <laughs> got this. Totally ever since. <laughs> Another thing is, you've been at Bloodstock. I have been at Bloodstock. Uh, last week, this week, and um, last weekend. <laughs> last weekend. That's meaningless. I, I'm here right now, and I don't <laughs> it even was know. Five <laughs> days ago, from where <laughs> we we're go. sat. There we go. Um, Give me I- some idea of time, everybody. You know what? You could retroactively, for you armchair detectives out there, work out when today is. Because it finished last Sunday. What fun. Don't I ever know. say we're not a fun podcast. Yeah. Look, you're setting your homework. It's like true crime. It's like, oh, what the clues. <laughs> okay, look. I've, I've taken us way off topic. Really, I should have been asking about Bloodstock in the second act. Yeah. Fucking gone mad. It's insane. So here you go, right? So I've got some I've got some feedback on the Triceratops. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what that was, mate. <laughs> was, was that one of yours? Dear John, don't be using misusing John with an H. That's a name in its own right. If you want a grown-up name, use the one you were given in full. Perhaps add a Y. Wow. <laughs> Perhaps add a Y if it's not pretentious enough. Who's... who's... Wait, wait, Jonathan, but the T-H-Y-N he's put. <laughs> Which I actually think you should start so, doing. So, so who's, who does asshole who's come out swinging? <laughs> this is friend of the show... What are we... J-Dubs. Ah, yes. Hello, J-Dubs. <laughs> yeah. So... He also takes issue with the... Do you know what? He's, he's arguing back about the Knuckle Avi episode. <laughs> Come on, mate. That was ages Which, ago. He said, I'm not going into a warm, dry area lit by firelight for all the sheep on Orkney, given the adjacent <laughs> presence of a fucking great 10-foot water demon. Well, look. The choices were it, yeah. few. He had few choices. I would I'm say, if you apply that logic to screenwriting as a whole, you wouldn't have any movies. <laughs> there needs to be one sort of like, that's a weird choice to make. you got to, yeah. Have we mentioned before, the only film I can ever think of as a, just it's always in the back of my mind is one mm. I call out, which never falls into that trap, is Dog Soldiers. Yes. Because, and perhaps I should have rewatched it before announcing this on a yeah. podcast. Today. About, it's about werewolves. But, it, yeah, no, I meant, I meant <laughs> I'm more just helping about, you. I'm just as helping. far as I can recall, I've watched the movie many times, they never do anything that I wouldn't necessarily have done. Hmm. Broadly speaking. Yeah, in, apart, in, from, in, apart from join the army. So there you go, J-Dubs. Devs, what other choices have you got? You're going to just die on that island. Chances are, if you don't go in that firelight at that point, he'll the knuckle abbey will just find you later. Take him, Dave, so, take him. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> he also says... 
Tiptoe's got a good breakdown in your mum's house. Which he doesn't say, <laughs> but I'm assuming... <laughs> I'm assuming it's a podcast. Wow, what I'm a assuming... sentence. <laughs> yeah, I'm assuming that is a podcast that I just yeah. haven't heard of. He says apparently it was supposed to be a different film and it got destroyed in the edit. I heard that. I've Who heard that. Peter, Peter Dinklage said it was beautiful in the original edit. Mm. But is he which... just being nice? Because he's an actor, Gary Oldman's an actor. Yeah. You know, like, you're not going to turn up at a job and yeah. be like, dude, what I mean, the fuck are you doing? I've heard the film being described as an actual hate crime. Yeah. So, I mean, I can see why Dinklage wants to distance himself from the final product. Yeah. By going, oh no, when we made it, it was fucking amazing. Because if he said, oh yeah, no, it was horrendously offensive, I shouldn't have done that. And he calls him into question. Mm, I suppose He's he protecting himself. Yeah. Well, you that can't trust a word um, out of his mouth. The little women trailer's out, and I half expected to <laughs> what see. What a segue. <laughs> I was going to say, I half expected to see Gary Oldman in it <laughs> on his knees. Um, we, we don't say little women anymore. <laughs> <laughs> That's, I don't know if that can stay. <laughs> right, so anyway, he says, uh, not sure if there's any defence or discussion of Oldman. I found it almost amusing. He went straight on to the Harry Potter films. I presume mm. J.K. Rowling was a fan of his knee work. I think you must have been. Because <laughs> so, his knee's still a lot of scenes in um, his So here we go. So classic J-dubs with his... Normally he goes for a name and a place in his in his now no location time. system. So he's calling Triceratops alternative titles Roy Munson versus the 300. <laughs> uh, Sarah Connor invades Russia Soviet Spartans Soviet Spartans I do Soviet like Spartans that's Spartans. very good very much more B-movie than Triceratops yeah, I do like that though Honey I Lost the Kid and he was warped into a monstrous murdering nihilist by fat pseudo-Greeks <laughs> I like how J-Doves isn't troubled by subtlety <laughs> it's quite freeing Psychos in Serbia that's, that's good up there with Soviet Spartans I mean, he go, to be honest, he goes into a lot of detail that we probably don't have time to, to read out. But uh... <laughs> Thanks for your correspondence, j <laughs> <laughs> No, Well, let me see. What else does he say? So he says, um, hey, nicknames for your character. <laughs> I'm uh, just going to exit myself from this bit. <laughs> Munson, Kingpin, Clamps, <laughs> Jimmy <Claw>. Nahans, <laughs> The Claw. Oh, he did have one hand, actually. Jimmy Nahand. Yeah. The Claw, Uno, Hook, Inspector Gadget, Shitty Skywalker, or Jimmy Nadejuggles, <laughs> which was possibly the best one. Jimmy Nadejuggles is very good. <laughs> he should be very happy with that. He said he would like to see some reasoning for the targeted kidnapping, which... I That's think... a fair point. When I came up with it, I was going for very much a sort of... Um... He does say, otherwise, why not kidnap kids closer to home, presumably yeah, in Russia? Sense. Yeah. I was assuming that they were going for, like, a kind of um, healthy stock. So, like, you know, they're going for sort of, like, kids in Western Europe who can maybe be of healthier stock. And healthier than Russians. <sighs> you heard it here first, folks. Yeah. <laughs> a spindly bunch. Headline stuff. Um, well, I mean, they aren't, they aren't known for their, um, they aren't known for their, like, food mountains. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> what, the Russians? Yeah. They are, like, abundant. You don't, I mean, you do see Russian banquets, but, like, they're not. You don't want to eat them. Yeah. That's what you're saying. Yeah. That's what you're saying. Fair enough. I mean, look, if you want to be bigoted against Russia, then that's that's fine. And I do. <laughs> Just because we're clear, I'm a little bit Russian, so hey, I'm allowed to say this. He's really thought this through, actually. Look, so he says, otherwise, why not kidnap kids closer to home? Given the slight future 
setting yeah. and given existing technology, I think you could argue for gene-based targeting. That's a fair point. Yeah, using like DNA that. samples gathered by the increasingly controlling governments, the heralds can analyze yeah. the data using their privileged positions within the states, yeah, like select those destined to be the strongest, the most athletic, and the, the most disposed to cruelty. I think that's the stuff you could definitely put in Act 3. When they get to the stronghold, you could mm. have some indication that there is some selective sort of it's definitely a cult who would favour eugenics. Yeah. I think that's clearly part of their oeuvre. Yeah. So yeah, that makes sense. I, I was going for kind of a bit of a, not quite grindhouse but like, you know what I mean? Like a bit of a B-movie style. So it wouldn't be too grounded, but I think that idea would fold very nicely into it. Well, so we got feedback from Frank. Oh, hello, yeah, Frank. Hello, Frank. He says, uh, when mum, dad, daughter and Mackenzie Crook infiltrate the Russian base, you could have the dad find himself in a room with loads of fucked up prosthetic limb-style weapons, Ooh. one of which he attaches to his severed wrist. I like that. Maybe the Sparta guys have been surgically attaching them to the kids they've been kidnapping in the same way that the son has now integrated the Triceratops helmet thing. I like that. It's a very yeah. good idea. Makes sense. Why yeah. not? We've opened the door for it. Might yeah. as well <laughs> double and down. Also, to be fair, I like the idea of the dad going into there and not really expecting to come out of it. So he would probably mutilate himself thinking, yeah. just fucking get this sorted. Because yeah. I think his life's not been great, obviously. Um, he can't juggle. So that's Well, there like, is that. So that's really ruined his prospects. There is that. As soon as that happens to me, I'm... I'm gone. I'm oh, checking mate. out. I mean, I know you, you and juggling. Got to... <laughs> <laughs> it's all you ever do, mate. Yep. Two... <laughs> <laughs> it's one of the classic bits. <laughs> Goals. Well, mate, I'm going to put yeah. that in one of the... I'm going to make an ad for yeah. our podcast, Is, and that'll be it. Yeah. That'll be it. <laughs> Come for the back and forth. <laughs> Stay for the juggling banner. <laughs> So, he says, the son kills the mum and the daughter... The da so, this is him suggesting. So, the son kills the mum and the daughter. The dad sees, like this, dad sees this happen. Yeah. Realises his son is beyond saving and goes full psycho. Yeah. Attaches the weapons to his wrist. Starts smashing faces in and kills everything in sight. Mm -hmm. Lots of blood, obviously. Mackenzie yeah. Crick survives, but loses both his legs mm. in the carnage and has to use knee shoes for the rest of his life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's fucking brilliant. I haven't read that. I like that. I, like <laughs> I think I... In my mind, it was very important for the women to survive because that court is very anti-women. Mm. You know, hence the sort of like connotations to today. Yeah. So I kind of, I like the idea of them being bested by a bunch of women. Mm. Um, but I do like the idea of Mackenzie Crook being mutated from the knees down. And then presumably I've always to, said that. having to get a pair of new shoes, yeah. um, which you should, you should really be checking out Wallace, Gary Oldman's agent. <laughs> oh, Gary yeah, of course. Gary Oldman's yeah. agent yeah. from last episode. It does say, and I, uh, this is possibly my favourite thing he says, because it's such a burn. Not sure about the dad working in a factory, though. If it's 20 years in the future, it'll probably be robots. <laughs> Fuck you, John. That's... that's. Well, I've blown it all apart. <laughs> oh, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. So, um, I don't know what I'm doing. I well, think that's, that's a, true of us all. I, I'd envision that, the, that that energy crisis would be to the point where, and there'd be so many people, that labour would be cheaper for places like warehouses. And I was thinking kind of like how, how like Amazon works. Yeah, they could get automated forklifts and shit, but you've got a fuck bunch of people who want to work for nothing. Yeah, I think that's fair, it. yeah. You yeah. could go either way with it. I think that's a fair rationale yeah. that you could definitely... To go a bit serious, I think one of the things we're going to see over the next few years is, is te technology is going to be taken out of the hands of everybody. It's going to become more of a of a sort of a rich person's thing. So, last bit of feedback for Triceratops. Well, actually, this isn't for Triceratops. So, Alex has written in... If, if J-Dubs' feedback is going to be places and... Mm -hmm things yeah. then hers is going to be songs so she had sympathy for the devil was, was her feedback for yeah. um suggestion for On the nose, but I liked it. episode three the devil and satan episode four 
eyes without a face mm, yep, for cool. what would we call it? Long oh, way from God. Long way from God. Yes. Long way from God now, son. She then for last week's is calling it Eve of Destruction. Ah, I like that a lot. So she's going with the song theme. Yeah, because I did envision it like kind of quite a heavy soundtrack. Maybe not Slayer because it's a bit on the nose, but that kind of, you know what I mean, like a bit of thrash. Yeah. Uh, not going quite to black metal, but yeah, a little bit of speed, a little bit of hate in there. Act two then is cultural highlights in the week. Ooh. John, as we know, you've been to Bloodstock. Been to Bloodstock. Eventually I made it. Oh um, yeah, you had an accident. I yeah. posted that on Instagram. Yes, famously so. had car trouble. Oh, I mean, famously. car trouble is a very small way of describing my car fucking itself to death. Mm. Basically, guys, if your car starts ticking, get it looked at. That's basically I, the... I really was expecting a rhyme. If your car starts ticking, <laughs> don't stop clicking. I don't know. <laughs> it's going to like, start... That burden's unusual. <laughs> you, don't, you, don't start, you don't start a phrase that sounds like it's going to rhyme and then not rhyme it. That's... Um, you can't, you can't it's classic starts. marketing error. Oh, you've overpromised and underdelivered there. <laughs> your car starts ticking. Better getting it looked at. Better start choking <laughs> the solid. chicken. <laughs> Better start choking the chicken. Yeah, because I mean, obviously, what else are you going to do? Cheers me up. <laughs> is that euphemism? That is a euphemism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah for, I've accidentally uh, stumbled into yeah, euphemism. For just... ownerism. <laughs> Checking uh, that word out there. Happy with that. <laughs> One reading in Act Two, cultural highlights. Yeah, blood stuff. So that went well. Yeah. So yeah, missed rotting Christ after all the build up. Nice. Yeah. Two episodes yeah, of build up. I, I know. I mean, that's a real opposite of a Chekhov's gun, actually, because yeah. it's all it's all yeah. build up with no release. Um, so missed that. But I did see um, Sabaton, and they were all right. Sabaton. Yes, they are a Swedish band who sing about war and nothing else. But they do have tanks on stage. So if you like that sort of thing, and you're about fourteen. It's the band for you, man. I don't know. I don't know. You love that stuff. Um, they've got a song about samurai, which made me go off them. Um, saw some good black metal bands of names that I will probably post up at some point. Um, also saw Cradle Filth, one of the greatest bands of their type. Cool. Well, I haven't watched any horror this week or this last two weeks because life found a way to stop me yeah. at every turn. But hey, these are the things that happen. So what have I done? I've stumbled like a drunk person onto Twitter yeah, and just sort of clunkily... I, it, I mean, trying to use social media is a bit like a really fucked up guy trying to approach a group of strangers in a, in a fairly nice pub <laughs> at about yeah. 7 o'clock in the evening. Yeah, yeah. So, like, way too early to be as fucked up as I am. <laughs> you know, I'm slurring, I'm yeah. all over this... I'm just sort of leaning in and grinning broadly and yeah. hoping that I'll, you know... And it, it's a total fail every yeah. time. I had that. I happened to me once um, in Leicester. Irish guy came up to us about half six and talked for about two hours about the IRA. <laughs> True story. Was he northern? Irish um, like that? No, he wasn't. Really? He's no. Hello there. Hello. <laughs> Have you heard about the IRA? <laughs> and can I buy you a drink? Do you know what's the worst thing is? This happened quite a long time ago. I can genuinely not remember if he was pro or against. <laughs> but you did talk a lot a long time just about thought, it. So maybe he was just a historian yeah maybe he talked he about just, how it started yeah, the whole yeah. Easter Rebellion <laughs> and all the various different takes on the subject well maybe we'll maybe he'll come back to the fore yeah if uh, you're out there mate write in about the IRA <laughs> hey if that was you and you remember John's voice yeah call in hello call <laughs> us on 001 11010 <laughs> yeah. we have a binary phone number here <laughs> <laughs> What have I done then? Do you know what? I've been listening to podcasts, Ooh. which I don't normally do because um, time. 
Yeah. Uh, I only listened to a couple, but I And we thought... are making the best one, so just... <laughs> why listen to anything else? Just waving that narcissist flag up there. <laughs> there are other podcasts out there that also are in the sort of horror yeah. genre area. Yeah. Hungry birds <laughs> waiting to be vomited in. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. I just want someone to wretch in my mouth. Please do. Like, but about horror. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mate, I think if you did that, it's already horror. Yeah. It, amazingly, you can't pay people to do that. So, little correctness gone mad. Well, look, hey, I just haven't found any takers. So, uh, the Arrow Video podcast. Oh, is yeah. The I've one, heard good things. Is the one, yeah. Presented by Sam Ashurst and Dan Martin, who are all kinds of horror cool aficionados and nice. work in the business. And uh, Sam Ashurst actually works on Borderlands. Do you remember Ooh, that movie? I do. That movie, or oh, The Borderlands, 2013. Yeah. For anyone who hasn't seen that, yeah, uh, a little lovely bit of homegrown horror. Yeah, there yeah, it's great with a fucking awesome ending. Yeah, yeah. So don't don't wiki it yeah. before that. I know it's for people, some people wiki wiki movies, horror yeah. movies to just to sort of take the sting out. I, I don't do that. I used to watch movies at uh, one and a half speeds just to get through them quicker. You did? No, no, no. For, for a friend of mine. Fucking hell! That's mad in it. Well, with the mad. sound as well. Yeah. Yeah, he, he watched Assassination of Jesse James, quite a kind of slow, meditative he, sort of movie. Watched it at time and a half just to get it in. Also quite like Babe's I want to go off on a huge rant about that. Uh, it, it, I really it, want to go I off on a huge furious. rant. We don't have the time. Because one of the bits of feedback that we had <laughs> is try and keep the episodes yeah, down. Keep it short, but this guys. Is a, this is a Dave episode, so get ready for yeah. about an hour and 20. Get comfy. Get fucking comfy, if you haven't already, because God knows how long we're in now. Say goodbye to the kids for a while. Wave off the kids, close the door. Close the, call in Close sick. the blinds. Yeah. You know, just... Uh, Fuck it. Anyway, sorry. I'll tie. I'll tidy this up in the. <laughs> what a trail off, and you know, give up. <laughs> Listen, let, let us be the last thing you hear. So anyway, yeah, Borderlands. If you haven't seen it, is absolutely cracking. The reason I mentioned that is there the, the Arrow Video Podcast is really cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I yeah, think you would really like, it especially, yeah. and they have a really good episode all about Fright Fest, which nice. is coming up. I also listened to um, I Spit on Your Podcast, oh. which is uh, a couple of horror ladies who are also really fun to listen to, a really cool podcast uh, about horror, and that's about as far as I got, because I enjoyed those two so much, right? that was that was about it. You've only got two ears, mate. That you can see. <laughs> I've got like a scanner's type ear <laughs> just above my bum, on my back. Uh, so, <laughs> if you... Nothing on that. Nothing to add to that. I got there's loads of misfires in this run so far. There's loads of stuff that's just been thrown up and then fucking air swings. Bum ears. Yeah. (laughs) Full stop. Bum ears. (laughs) Quite a conversational cordy sack right down there. Yeah, I think uh, we won't we won't be dwelling on bum ears for long. So Fright Fest is coming up. Listen to Arrow podcast. Have you got anything you want to say about Fright Fest other than the fact that you're going to be there and I'm not, which is yeah. So don't dwell on it too much. But yeah, very very excited. Some cracking films this year. Little bit annoyed I'm not going to be seeing Rabbit by the Soska Sisters. Apparently looks fantastic. It feels like more of a failing on your part than oh, I mean it's a failing on my part by having a wife and kids (laughs) who fucking who just demand me around. (laughs) Look, we've covered off in previous episodes. We've covered off various solutions to that. <laughs> and a few off mic, which I find unpleasant. <laughs> that was an awkward chat. I mean, look, people don't normally notice missing persons for a few days. The police won't even take notice out until after 24 hours. 
So, you know, and all you need is Monday. That's all. I'm and I've got an alibi. I was, I was at Fight Fest, mate. Yeah, exactly. I don't know yeah, I was in a dark cinema. Everyone can, everyone can say I was there. <laughs> also, <laughs> I don't look the type. And I think that plays well into my favour. I've got, I've got a round, yeah, you don't look friendly like a face. I don't look like I've, I haven't got mad hair. Yeah. Whereas I very much do. I've often thought I look like a snowman made out of ham. <laughs> that sort of that's been the look I've cultivated for a long time now, and I think it worked. I was going to do a bit about stuff I love. I mm-hmm. prepared a little bit about that here. You just have a heart brimming with love, mate. I, the thing is, like, I just if you see something that you think is really amazing yeah. and great, isn't it nice to just call it out? Well, see something, say something. This week, I, I really love people who make mobile phone calls with the recipient on loudspeaker whilst holding the phone about a yard in front of them and then acting like only they can hear it. I fucking love those It's cuts. great, that. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it's, I mean, one of the things that I love, I love when I see Mark Wahlberg is going to be in a movie. I yeah, think, mate, I mean, mm. I love a man who can play a very broad Bostonian character regardless of what movie it is <laughs> and to an almost cartoonish degree yeah. but it undercuts all the drama and tension and yet somehow still keeps popping up i mean look i i like to hate on marky mark as much as the next guy but <laughs> boogie nights all right i mean the, all right, all but, right. but every rule has an exception it, I, that, i'm about to say that very are. thing it's there sex and the proves of all i mean the only film where he's not the worst thing in it is the happening because it's a real <laughs> fight in that movie for <laughs> what's going to take to the bottom. Yeah, it's yeah. like it's like someone's picked up a lot of dog shits and put them into a bag for you, and you're like, oh my god, which one's the worst one? You can't tell. Well, look, I, I love, I love it. We're trying this out, folks. Just a couple of things that we love every week. Yeah, you'll get a sense about my love for people on mobile phones because yeah. I think that'll probably end up being yeah. a recurring thing. Yeah, because there's so many instances of how people use them that I really fucking love. Oh, mate. Really fucking. I can't get enough of it. <laughs> I don't think you appreciate how lucky you are to love it, because I think if you didn't love it, mm. your journeys to work would be very difficult. I know. I worry about that sometimes, because I think if I didn't love it, would I just be sitting here fantasising about someone smashing that person's head in with a hammer? Yeah, I mean, and that would be... No one wants that. And the answer is, no, of course I wouldn't, because <laughs> that would be just wrong. That would be wrong. That would be wrong. <laughs> be I mean, wrong. And I'm a nice guy. You are a nice I guy. I mean, I might... I mean, you've got an awful lot I'm of like, hammers. <laughs> but, I've got an awful lot of bloody hammers yeah. with bits of hair on them. Yeah, and a lot of phones. Which <laughs> <laughs> is strange. But as I said... And they all ring at different times <laughs> sporadically. So say, some... Saying things like, wife. <laughs> Increasingly sad texts. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, where is yeah. the line at which this becomes terribly inappropriate? <laughs> Look, on that bombshell, do we have anything else? Because I've got this movie pitch um, here and ready to dive I, into. I don't think so. I think um, the main cultural thing, really, building up towards it. One thing I did find out about it on Twitter... <laughs> Building up to it in what way? <laughs> like, no. What exactly are you doing to build up to it? Well, I'm You're feeling, writing a poem every I'm day I'm feeling about it. it Chapter 2 needs a little bit of a bump. Because mm. um, no one's really heard about it. So I've got quite a lot of stupid cups I bought at cinemas from films I'm not liked. Like I've got um, two cups from the Solo movie. A little cartoon Lando on top of it, and it's a big cup. Um, I can't wait to just, hear where this is going. <laughs> no, no, it's going to a good, <laughs> going to a good place. They're making commemorative cups for the It movie. So the, <laughs> you're right to look so excited. You can get a little cup, a, a big old cup for your cinema trip with a balloon on it. And the best part about that is it will yeah. gather dust for another ten years. On Mate, your shelf. I won't drink out of anything else. <laughs> I will literally die oh, But if you're first. going to continue to use it, that's different. Oh, I'd use that cup any day of the week, mate. There are three cups available, I'm led to believe. 
<laughs> one of them's got Pennywise, one's got a balloon, and I think one's got a hand, maybe, or something else. I can't remember. Um, well, no, we're going to go and see it together with possibly my, my wife. We as in you and I. Because I'm thinking there's three cups available, three people, I get all the cups. That's true. That's what, I mean, if it goes any the, way but that, I'd be That's furious. the only way I can imagine that you would be able to feasibly get three cups. Because yeah. there's no way you could just no. exchange money for those goods. No. So I'm going to caveat. So uh, yeah. welcome to Act Three. Yeah. Act Three is the, the real payoff. It's this. Look, this is the meat. This yeah. is the meat and potatoes yeah. of. Uh, yeah. You've had your starters. You've had your like I don't know your palate cleanser. Mm. Quick caveat. Then I worried slightly that in a lot of ways there's a lot of similarities to your pitch last week. Okay. I've intentionally. Uh, well, no, I, I didn't intentionally try and avoid it. I. When I was writing it, I didn't feel it was the same at all. Yeah. <laughs> and then once it was written, I was like, well, maybe it's got similarities. Yeah. Um, so, but hey, you're just going to have to lump it. So here comes Brontosaurus. <laughs> <laughs> nice one. Yeah. So anyway, uh, working title, Diplodocus. <laughs> um, no, uh, where's my lighter? Here we go. Right. So I'm just going to crack in and, well, you know the drill by now. Yep. In- interrupt whatever you fucking like. <laughs> But bear in mind, the only singular piece of feedback that everyone has given is, yeah, maybe try and keep it a bit shorter. And I have stressed, I have stressed that brevity is not really my strong suit. Um, I mean, brevity is not the soul of anything as far as I'm aware. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, anyway, here we go. Working title isn't one. (laughs) (laughs) Slick stop. Yeah, I've got no way, I've got now got no no good way to go into it. All right, here we go. Scene opens on a UK commuter train <laughs> platform. Yeah. Somewhere semi-urban. Probably just outside London. Cool. Um, Luton, maybe. Yeah, you could you could take Luton. Yeah. I mean, there's many places. <laughs> but for those that aren't familiar, somewhere just outside London. Cool. But within the commuter belt. Yeah. Yeah. It's a wide shot. Yep. We see a train pull in, and what initially looks to be like the normal hustle and bustle of morning commuter behaviour, but as we see the flow of people pushing onto the train begin to thin out, we notice armed guards at each of the sets of doors to each of the carriages, and another handful patrolling up and down the platform that we presumably didn't instantly see because of the cracks. Cut to inside the train as it's moving off. Ostensibly everything is normal. Guards having remained at the station, didn't get on the train, so on, so on. Mm-hmm. As the camera gives us a couple of contextual shots of the inside of the carriage. And though there are hints of things amiss. Yeah. So, like, the train actually, it looks a bit worn, a bit yeah. old. We settle on a slightly frazzled-looking young man reading a book, yeah. sitting by the window in a set of two seats. Mm-hmm. The train slows to another stop, and the same scene plays itself out, this time viewed from inside the car. The final person to board at this station is some boorish bloke in a shirt talking loudly on his phone. We follow him down the aisle as he sits heavily next to our book reader. As the train pulls away, we see the reader give the phone man a series of stares, clearly indicating his displeasure at being forced to listen to this man's witterings, which at this point form pretty much the entire soundscape. So having slowly grown in volume with his continued presence until it's uncomfortable. You know what I mean? That kind of slow... 
without us really knowing, all of yeah. the ambient sounds died yeah. off and we're just getting this fucking so twat. So we, 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 we've got a man who's not got your like zen approach to that kind of thing. I can't relate to this story in any yeah, way. I mean, it's nothing to do with my life. Yeah. I've just used my imagination. Yeah. That's, all, that's all I've done. I've gone on a journey uh, into my own mind. Briefly looking down at his book again, the reader deftly snatches the phone from the phone man's hand and slots it straight out of the window of the moving train. In a flash, the phone man's hand is around the reader's neck and he slams him back into the window. There's a few moments of struggle as the reader's face starts turning red with the effort of the struggle and the strangulation. He starts pushing his left hand against the uh, phone guy's face in what looks like an attempt to push him off, but then out of nowhere, his right hand comes flying off and stabs a huge hunting knife down into the guy's exposed neck. Wow. Fucking does it. (laughs) Cue blood and sudden commotion from the carriage in the background. We're we're, we're still in quite a tight shot of the the fighters, if you will. And so it's unclear, but we know there's commotion going on around it off the back of this. The reader pushes the gushing, gesticulating, soon-to-be corpse off him with a heave, and covered in blood now, stands full height and shouts, anybody else want, before his head is dashed all over the window behind him by a bullet from elsewhere in the carriage. Wow. We switch out to a wider shot of the carriage, still from inside, and in a relative moment of quiet, just for a second, we see the shooter. Down the carriage is a man in a nice suit, with an expression that's conveying something of disquiet, at odds with his outfit, mm-hmm. surrounded by other normal commuters. Yeah. A blade from behind lodges in the shooter's neck, and we see him begin to go down in a, <laughs> in a streaming, grasping mess before we yeah. quickly cut to other random panic-driven scenes of erupting violence throughout the coach. Everyone is armed in some way, and the initial violence has tipped them all into full-on survival mode. Jesus. Cut to two well-dressed men sitting adjacent to one another in another carriage, mm-hmm. both looking ahead at something. It's a moment of clarity from the frenzy of a few seconds ago, both from a visual and an audio perspective. Yeah. We cut to behind the two men so that we can see what they're seeing. They're sat in the last two seats of the next carriage from the one with all the fighting going on. Yeah. The doors between the two carriages are half glass, so we're all watching the violence together before mm-hmm. one of the men says... Clarence? No, <laughs> let me try that again. Clarence. <laughs> One more go at <laughs> Clarence. Um, I don't know. Or, or, or I've written almost rhetorically. Can we try to take two again? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's really a bit more soft. Yeah. Clarence. Uh, the man on the aisle stands up, presumably Clarence, of course. reaching up out of shot to what we assume is the overhead baggage. Mm-hmm. As he's doing this, we, uh, we're still on the same shot. We see a few people trying to escape the carnage next yeah. door. So we're still, we're looking past Clarence's, yeah. you know, midsection through the windows. Yeah. And we see people coming towards the doors because you can get through, there's two double doors yeah. and you can get through from one carriage to the other. They're in bad shape, they're in need of assistance, and and we see them, we see past them, we can see the fucking, all this carnage still going yeah. on, right? So as the escapees from next door open the first of the two doors to get through to this carriage, Clarence, we assume, his hand comes down from out of shot with a chunky automatic shotgun, or similar, yeah. and he immediately aims at the oncomers through the door. The final shot of this opening scene is the look of realisation on the faces of those trying to get out as Clarence opens up with the shotgun. Nice. And that's the opening scene. That's a lot a lot going on there. Busy. So it's a busy scene. 
as I say, really reaching into the depths of my imagination mm. for this one. Yeah, um, I mean, this is like a, it's, this is must have been how like Tolkien when when started. Tolkien's wife heard him. Yeah. Like, where are you getting this shit from? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's like I've created Elvish out of nothing, isn't it? <laughs> so I had this idea, because as you'll see, I need to set some context here. Of course. So that's a cold open, and I yeah. think in the credits scene, my idea, and we can discuss this at the end perhaps, but my idea mm-hmm. was in the credits, maybe you do that kind of thing where you get, and I, I don't know if you call it a montage, but you get a kind yeah. of, you know, newspapers front pages and maybe some shots of TV news reports and stuff like that that gives you the context to where we're at. And that context, we're seeing society kind of reduced to populism. We're seeing uh, food riots. We're seeing these kinds of things. And that's the credit sequence. Used to great effect in the Dawn of the Dead remake. Did did that kind of like real quick cuts. Yeah, Using real footage. uh, So a farmer, Ben... Mm -hmm is seeing increasing incidents when he's in town selling his produce. Yeah. He sees fighting and arbitrary police intervention. Uh, it's not the police as we understand it. Mm. It's more of a... The police. Almost a private police yeah. force who are making arbitrary yeah. choices. And he, Ben, the farmer, and this is in the first act, he gets visits from his local police, mm. which is what we see is this amounts to basically protection money yeah. for food. Or in food, rather. And the police also dictate much of where this produce goes. Cool. So we're getting a kind of idea that, although he seemingly is a free enterprise, yeah. actually the circumstances are... He's he's very much trapped yeah. within uh, a new normal. Yeah. And the police not. are like, are like, they're sort of like reduced to like the best armed, armed mob. Around. Yeah, exactly. They're the ones with the resources and the power, well, so yeah. they take it. Anyway, when we do see Ben traveling, he's not in a motorized vehicle, and those that are, are like junky, rusty, home-upgraded jobs. Hmm. So though people have got standard tech, like phones and so on, it seems uh, the cost of new vehicles is too expensive in the existing economy. No, like, like, like we touched upon in the uh, Yeah, weirdly enough, yeah. yeah. So uh, he sees a neighbor uh, on the way home at one point and shouts a greeting but gets nothing in response. Mm-hmm. We meet a friendly neighbor later and this this frosty counter is commented upon, leading to some exposition around how people have changed and the mm-hmm. police are increasingly becoming arbitrary warlords yep. as they have no government accountability anymore or at least nothing that seems to work as far as we, the audience, know, right? Yeah. But the police are largely armed and provisioned. Everyone he's this is the exposition with his neighbor. Everyone he's seeing nowadays is, is white. He's not seeing any minorities anymore, even people he used to know, even very wealthy people, which mm. gets a lot of emphasis in this conversation, yeah. and even gay people. Yeah. He's heard whispers of terrible things, but he's also heard of people fleeing and getting out of England. Huh? Uh, this is England, by the way. Okay. Borders have long been closed, though, and getting out has become as hard as getting in. Uh-huh. There are some further scenes around the farm and with the friendly neighbour and some further exposition about the state of the world. Yep. doesn't sound good, but then it sounds a little far-fetched as well. We also get a sense of the farm's isolation. Yeah. We get introduced to Ben's daughter, Maisie, who's, I don't know, probably about 20. Mm-hmm. Um, we get some back and forth between them about how Maisie thinks things are really awful these days, perhaps yep. coming across perhaps as youthful, misplaced youthful idealism. Yep. And Ben thinks things are largely okay. Maisie points to the fact that they run a farm and thus have a privileged position in spite of what little they do have. Ben's like, hey, at least we got food. Yeah. Which is sort of evading the point and also making it at the same time. Yeah. So at one wraps up with a visit from a stranger on a howling wet night. 
well, isolated, remember, in the fucking nowhere countryside. Yeah. Howling wet night. We've already had some concern about livestock. The dog is acting up. The whole scene is unsettling. Yeah. So it's remote, middle of the night, rain, shit's unsettling. Yeah. That's the scene. The stranger knocks at the door. They let the stranger in for some food and warmth for whatever reason. Well, it doesn't... Kind folk. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, well, I'm... in a world where well, kindness is probably in this short is true. supply. This is true. Yeah. And, and I think what I didn't do is gave a huge deal of thought about how or why. But, mm. you know, look. You can make it any number of reasons why that happens. You, you, that you are can, still entirely yeah. plausible. You could maybe have have like Maisie going, we can't be the same as everybody else. We've got to like, this is the right thing to do. Ben's yeah. like, well, I mean, yeah, yeah. the food's got to, the, the food, we can't just give it away. No, so, I like it. Yeah. That's bang on. I think that's perfect. Is that it's a perfect clash of ideology yeah. almost. Yeah. And Ben capitulates yeah. to Maisie's compassion and yeah. they let him in. We get a scene then in a small firelit farmyard kitchen, low roof, long flickering shadows. Think of kid. <laughs> so I put a number of references here. I thought yeah. I put think of kidnapped, and I was like, <laughs> don't know if that will really land. That's a yeah. Robert Louis Stevenson novel that not a lot of people might have read. I say I've not read it. Yeah, it's fucking great. You yeah. should really read it. It's a real good yarn. Yeah. So if you, if kidnap doesn't land, I went with the beginning of Treasure Island. <laughs> yeah, do you know what I was thinking of the beginning of Treasure Island? Right, good. When, um, um, and and for, if that doesn't land with listeners, the beginning of the film of Muppets Treasure Island yeah. <laughs> will we'll also yeah. set the scene. Or uh, and the last, if you haven't seen that, the last one is the cabin of the boat in Jaws, where Flint is telling yeah. a story about the USS Indianapolis. Yeah. And I would say if you don't get any any of of these references, move the fuck on. <laughs> The stranger tells of waves of people fleeing the urban centres oh, in, okay. in search of food or in fear of their life from gangs, yeah. the police, randoms, everybody, basically whatever it's the society is. And we still don't yeah. fully know. We've had a fair yeah. amount of exposition. We haven't seen a lot ourselves because yeah. we're out in the middle of nowhere. So it's like, it feels like there's a change in the air. Yeah. So something is happening. Now... The reason that Ben and Maisie don't know about any of this, and neither do we, is because the internet, though being totally unregulated due to the lack of state intervention, is also only available as a result to the wealthy, as they're the only ones who can afford to maintain their own infrastructure. As there's no centralised state per se, or taxes, there's nobody maintaining any of this stuff, and therefore television is now run by private providers and has become Mm. nothing but propaganda for the areas that have money to broadcast, making celebrities out of warlords. Mm -hmm. This is also largely the reason we're in a candlelit room, though we have seen a generator and some solar panels, so we can assume that not totally without power, just sparing. They are definitely the more fortunate in this current situation. exactly. In the end, the stranger reveals that his true intentions are basically to take the fucking farm. Like he, Whoa. you know, he's he's Shit. not he's not come for friendly reasons or whatever reasons he gave to get in. Yeah, and he tells them that his boys or droogs or thugs. I yeah. don't know. I, I, I couldn't settle on the a term, but something chilling yeah. sounding doesn't even have to be existing lingo. Yeah, you know, we're near future here, so yeah. make up any weird sounding sort of yeah. deep noun. Lits. Okay, yeah. No, that's shit. <laughs> what about him and his chairs? <laughs> the thing is that chairs has another meaning. Oh, yeah. Anyway, look. <laughs> Unlike lit. <laughs> <laughs> Just one of those weird... Just one of those weird, weird sounds. Sound, <laughs> it? It's a sound, mate. It doesn't mean anything. Yeah. It's got no meaning. 
<laughs> anyway, right. So yeah, thugs, boys, whatever. They're yeah. coming up the road. The reason that we got onto yeah. that and not lits or whatever. Yeah. So the, the, the boy, his boys are coming. The stranger tells them his boys are coming up the road this week, basically. Ah, okay. Well, in, a f- in a few days, in yeah. a couple of days, could be tomorrow, yeah. could be in a couple of days. So you have put a ticking clock yeah. on yeah. the whole situation. So whatever happens, they can't stay where they are. Yeah. Unless, get unless it's bullshit. But hear me out. He's like, they're coming up here in a few days. We're taking your farm. You yeah. may as well give it to me now and fuck off. Yeah, do it without, without right. hassle. Right, otherwise, you know, you're just it's, meat. A, it's a classic. You're, you're grist yeah. for the mill. Easy way or the hard way yeah, kind exactly of situation. That. Ben and Maisie are basically forced to defend themselves through Ooh. Hooker Crook and kill the intruder. Yeah. And I think Maisie plays a big role in this scene. Yeah. She's the one that's under threat from the old bull more so than Ben. Yes. Uh, is also the one to call out the stranger's du- duplicity first. And I quite like, in a weird way, her to strike a killing blow. Yeah, I agree. Because I think, because if she's a character who allows him in, you don't want her to just be a character who just makes mistakes. Yeah, no, she owns it. Yeah, because like, essentially you don't want her sense of compassion to be a weakness. Yeah. She made the right choice then. Situation's changed. She makes the right choice again. Just happens to be a more violent one. Yeah. I like that. Nice. Well, Act 2 then starts with another visit from the local police warlord. And though he's threatening, when he's told the story of the intruder, he reali- he realises the risk to his own power structure ah. and decides that he's going to come back and help. That's quite cool. I like that already. It's a nice setup. So he really takes notice at both the threat of mm. these people coming up to take yeah. this farm and also the news that the stranger relays that they've Ben and Maisie have now told the policeman about. Mm. To the point where Ben and Maisie start speculating that he knows more than he's letting on about mm. what's really going on. Because again... Propaganda on TV, yeah. what there is of it, no internet yeah. to speak of that they can use or access. Yeah. So they, they, you know, there's no papers or anything. It's, I like the kind of the almost twist that the policemen uh, or police officers acted like a police officer as we know them, but for completely different, different motivations reasons, as yeah. we know. We get some scenes then in Act Two around Ben and Maisie doubting the stranger's credibility and mm-hmm. actually whether he wasn't just a nutter out for himself. And some further scenes with the remaining friendly neighbour, who shoots down their scepticism and says he's heard the same things the stranger told them about people fleeing the cities and so on. And Maisie starts pushing for an immediate evac to Germany whilst they still have time to get their shit together. Mm -hmm. So I thought, you know, the scene with the stranger at the end of Act 1, in Act 2, it's New Day, the sun's out, you know. Of course. It's that feeling of like, ah, do you know what? Maybe it wasn't yeah, that serious. Now, it's, yeah. now in the light of day, it seems a bit like not and, something and to worry about. And they're, also, they're all, they exist in a world which they're going to have seen more violence than we would have seen. True. So there's a, there's a slight normalisation. Yeah. To the idea of just being threatened seems a less of a deal than it would do for yeah. us. But then the neighbour, the one that is speaking to them, because again, I kind of imagined that police state and stuff, it, it's not necessarily a, a super nice environment in the sense yeah. that people will tell on each other. And, yeah. Well, that's the wrong term. Mate, you know I, what I mean. If I've heard anything about a police state, it's not a super nice environment. <laughs> yeah. yeah that, I mean, that's, I think, summed it up, mate. <laughs> I figured that would probably be the tagline for this movie. Not a super nice environment. Anyway, so Ben basically is pushing back on Maisie's idea about getting the fuck out of Dodge. Mm-hmm. Maisie's accusing Ben of being complicit in the crumbling regime because he's lazy, just wanted an easy life. Yeah. So we get some conflict between father and daughter and the different feelings over culpability and so on. And, you know, ultimately, 
probably feelings of uh, impotence at actually yeah. being able to do anything. Yeah. Having just shit got worse and worse around yeah. them without any, you know. A lot, because there's too often these days you hear like a connection between sort of like compassion and weakness. I like in this one, the most compassionate character is also the one with the most fight in them. Yeah. Which I think is much more true. I yeah. think that's much more indicative of how life actually is. Later on, we get some scenes with uh, the friendly neighbour and a few friends of his who have okay. come from the city. Okay. So they, they've fled and they've ended up at the neighbor's farm, basically. Yep. It's like a friend of the neighbor, a friend of theirs, and a respective friend of theirs. So by yep. that, I mean, they don't all know each other. Mm. It's almost like a little chain of, yep. I'm getting out. And somebody's yep. like, can I come with you? And then they're like, actually, can I bring my friends? You know, so they yep. don't all know each other. And, they, and they can all vouch for each other through some connections. So they're not just like random strangers, but they are strangers to each other. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It's a mismatched group, but they've all banded together as they have a friend connection, but more because in some fashion or other, they're under threat and looking to get out of Britain. So the neighbours tell Ben and Maisie, we're getting the fuck out. Do you want to come with us? We're going to go with these guys, basically. Mm -hmm. We've been thinking about it for a while. Ben's like, no thanks. Maisie's like, I'd love to. But it doesn't, because she stays with her dad. So cue some more conflicts. Act 2 culminates in the police coming back with about 12 guys, other police yeah. from around the, you know, the warlords area, yeah. if you like. Their entire regional unit, I wrote, or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And they set up with a sort of siege mentality, ready mm-hmm. to defend. Yeah. Salt and precinct 13 sort of thing. Well, yeah, so they they, they, they took the threat, literally, yeah. the stranger's threat. They're like, okay, mm. we're going to come back and but they set are, up and protect yeah. our interests. Turns out, one of the 12 guys, or one of the 12 cops who'd been on a different beat quote-unquote to Ben's farm is someone Maisie actually went to school with back before Ben's family could no longer afford to send her to school Mm -hmm. so they have a kind of shared history of some sort and therefore have some sort of affection in the reunion yeah could be another opportunity for some exposition night falls though and a vehicle approaching the farm gets everyone tense as it's not one of the coppers bear in mind not many people have motorized vehicles at the moment the coppers are yelling for it to stop and though it slows it doesn't stop the the few armed police that are there open up on it and riddle it with bullets and when the dust settles and they approach the car we can see it's just a young boy who's tied up and gagged riddled with bullets we get the clear and bloody impression he was not a willing participant in this exercise. Shit. And just as we discover this, there's a scream and the head of one of the coppers rolls into shot, having been tossed from out, out of shot. Those, those outside the house are immediately set upon by a gang of horrifically violent thugs. Mm-hmm. I think predominantly blades and blunt instruments, yep. but all with nothing but killing intent. And Are, they, like, are they silent or are they, or are they like hooting and hollering? What, what, what's the sort of... Good shout. Let's maybe go hooting and hollering. Hooting and hollering away. I feel like that's where I was more at. I think but... I, I think in the darkness it'd be uh, quite scary. So the likable cop, the one that knew Maisie, yep. Clive. Don't know if you remember, we had a conversation about how I'd never met anyone called Clive. We did. You lied to seem like a big man. <laughs> I, I did show up. <laughs> Couldn't sustain it. You wanted, yeah, you wanted to make everyone think you'd met a Clive. Yeah. And, but anyway, so we had that whole I'll conversation. I look back on those days with a bit of embarrassment. <laughs> So we had the whole conversation, and then when I was looking for a name yeah. for the friendly cough, I thought, fucking Clive. Yeah. So anyway, Clive bolts back in the house, and amongst a lot of the bloodshed and craziness, he gets Maisie and Ben running across the field towards a remaining police car over at the far side of the field. Yeah. Final shots in the scene are probably of the thugs finishing off coppers at the house. 
some mm-hmm. grim implications when we see a policeman being strung up in front of the farmhouse and the thugs appear to start. I put start dissecting him alive, but it's a little strong. Might be a touch strong. But Lin- doing, you yeah. know. Maybe, I mean, it sounds grim, lynching, setting him on fire, that kind of thing. Yeah. I Paint mean, the picture. Anyway, um, you want to imply that something fucking nasty is happening. Yeah, some sounds, some movements, that kind of thing. So, we're basically, what I'm trying to do there is setting up a sort of new reality that the previous structures, no matter how unpalatable, are now either entirely under threat or gone altogether. Yeah. And what we're left with is completely out of control gangs doing fucking awful things, yeah. basically. So, the final act opens with dawn breaking and the three occupants in the car now on the road on a b road or even a i was thinking actually more of a mud track or a farm track or something because infrastructure's fucked right like you know this is years after any kind of centralized infrastructure so not only are roads not maintained but just like the area ben lived in there's all these small sort of regional states all throughout england or britain even all run by different kind of police forces or whoever's got the most power and influence is dawn breaking there in the car we get a scene in the car with clive who's driving and Maisie just caked in dry blood and just yeah. staring silently ahead this is like the sober morning after yeah. the horrific night um they wake up ben and start discussing next moves mm. we learn that the only way or at least their best bet to get out of britain is probably scotland and to try and barter passage from there so there's some exposition around this and why Scotland and Clive and Maisie overriding Ben in his suggestion that Clive actually just get them in with another police force. He's like, look, you're a copper, you've got yeah. a car, you got a garden. You know, this is more than most people yeah. have got. You were the one of the force in yeah. our area. Like, why, just get yeah. us in with another one. But he's very much thinking small. He's like, he's thinking, let's, just, let's just move out of this immediate threat. Where Maisie and Clive are like, let's get the fuck out of this entire situation. Pretty much. Yeah. Um, but anyway, Clive shuts it down regardless because he's like, it doesn't work like that, basically. So, yeah. you know, from another police force's point of view, he's just a drain on... The, the yeah. three of them are just a drain on any resources that they do they have. farm anymore. So they're probably just yeah. bullet-in-the-head stuff. So Clive's like, it doesn't fucking work like that. Um, yeah. We're going to make for North Berwick, which is just over the border I like that this Scotland. point... Side jumping. I like this point that Ben's come across as quite a naive man. He's been a master of his own small part of the world. And it's making him quite a naive sort of person. I don't know. I don't know if it's naivety. I think I didn't see him quite as so naive as more optimistic. Okay. Short-sightedly yeah. optimistic. Yeah, fair. He looks at people disappearing and he's yeah. like, oh, God, well, it yeah. could have been me and it's not. So actually, yeah. I'm doing all right. Yeah. Rather than thinking, fuck, next time it could be me. So Clive explains that it doesn't work like that and they're going to make for North Berwick, which is where he, as far as he's heard, you know, over the grapevine of the last few years, was the last place people were really actually being able to get out of Britain. Yeah. Because, and I haven't gone into it, I sort of imagined that Scotland isn't necessarily under the same structure, but just by proxy is under that pressure as well. You know, has yeah. sort of disintegrated into, into the same, because it almost couldn't not. No, go on. Uh, with, you know, without a physical border. Right. And even then, you know, it's unlikely they wouldn't be affected. Yeah. Okay. So, nonetheless, this is the last place that he's heard that he thinks people can get out. So they're going to head for North Berwick. We get a few grueling days of travel and survival. Mm-hmm. We get conflict as they try and negotiate the crumbling police states. We see evidence of those fleeing the cities and we get some horrific glimpses of those killing them. 
Clive's resolve starts to slip, and we begin to appreciate that he, like Ben, was actually more comfortable with the way things were, in spite of the damage to yep. society of old. And not only is he mourning its loss, but both he and Ben are struggling to comprehend what actually comes next. They've basically got rugs yeah. pulled out from underneath yeah. them here, from a mental perspective, mm. and they just don't really know what the fuck to yeah. do. Whereas Maisie's always kind of been like, we need to get yeah, yeah. better elsewhere, yeah, yeah. basically, we should go. So she's she's a little bit more on it. So it's really Maisie that more and more becomes the voice of the audience with her incredulity at the way things have become and the recollection of the broken dreams that were promised with the uprising. Passing the bigger cities is also rife with danger, as most of the roads are crumbling anyway, and those mm-hmm. that aren't are controlled by, or what, regardless of where they are or aren't, are controlled by local sort of police warlords. Mm-hmm. And we get a taste of this as they pass Carlisle or Newcastle. I couldn't decide on which. Couldn't decide on where they were <laughs> yeah. and um, and which side of Britain they were driving yeah. up. But, you know, whatever you want. Take your pick. Hey, tweet us at Le Mans Pod yeah. and just say... If someone's out there going, Carlisle, fuck off, mate. It <laughs> doesn't hold up at all. I thought taking them by Newcastle might get a few <laughs> opportunities to get a little uh, a few voices in. Um, don't know how they speak in Carlisle. <laughs> no, uh, no one does, mate. We could make it up. Yeah. I'm from Carlisle. <laughs> <laughs> Probably rather they went by Newcastle yeah, <laughs> at this point. Because I, I think the Carlisle accent that we've just heard yeah. doesn't lend itself to the kind of film I want this to be. No, it's definitely a lot more whimsical. <laughs> oh, why don't you stop at Carlisle? Come and have cup tea. <laughs> so, yeah. You know, we're, we're talking around Newcastle. Or Newcastle. Of course. <laughs> on the, um, so that would be on the East Coast. Yep. So driving up the East Coast, passing Newcastle. We get a scene around there where we see them escape. I mean, there's scenes around them getting running into a gang and shit going on, and they're escaping from one gang to run into a smaller one of only a few thugs. Yeah. Currently engaged in chasing down and murdering a group of people. After an argument and some frenetic scenes between the three in the car, Clive tries to run over the men doing the chasing and the murdering as a sort of compromise. I'm like, yeah. do we help? Don't we help? You know, and people are like, don't help. And yeah. people are like, help. And, yeah. you know. You get that. It says three, right? So they're never no. going to get... So you'd be like, a help, don't help, maybe help. <laughs> Abstain. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be fucking hilarious. <laughs> ben consistently abstains from every vote that yeah. they have. Just to really well, fuck I couldn't up. possibly say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, it wouldn't be right. It wouldn't be right, we'd say. Clarence. Clarence. <laughs> I say, Clarence. Clive tries to run them over. The scene escalates with the two remaining thugs turning on the protagonists and Clive loses a few fingers in a nasty scene with one of them. So there's a whole brawl going on. I, I, I shouldn't go into too much detail because I'm not going to, you know, We've all seen brawls. Yeah, yeah. So shots ring out in the melee. Basically, Maisie goes for one and one of the people they were chasing goes for the other and there's a whole thing yeah. going on. A shot rings out and takes out the final th- the thug that was doing the chasing. Mm-hmm. And we see uh, what turns out to be a heavily armed ambulance. Oh. Bull bars, metal screening, the works. It's also mm-hmm. painted black. And there are four heavily armed, what look like SWAT people with it. It's a doctor. Due mm-hmm. to their profession, they travel armed. Nice. You know, well, I, I mean, that. it's like cool. in this society, yeah. up until now, people still went to work. Hence them on yeah. the train at the beginning. Yeah. They just looked after themselves. So mm. the train would have been run by a private enterprise that's looking after itself. Yeah. That's why it's got armed guards on the stations. Mm. It's what, you know... 
but they're not plowing money back into the infrastructure yeah. so the trains are ratty and so if, people yeah. are themselves because they're like well and if a guy could afford to get um <laughs> if the person has got the, can afford an education to, to become a doctor they can also afford their own protection well yeah i mean so if you because obviously doctors are yeah. super important so yeah. if you if you can give a service that people yeah. can't replicate elsewhere for free then you it could st- almost, it's still yeah. a market economy basically. it could almost become a kind of like a a co-op to have somebody become a doctor they will pay to help that no, person no mate that runs completely contrary <laughs> to the whole concept of how this country is because you know no, everybody's no, 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 kind no. Everybody's and they'll finished. help no that's yeah that's not this whoa, not, whoa, whoa, whoa. This is, start again this is a horror movie this isn't Paw Patrol <laughs> Paw Patrol's not a co-op <laughs> Dude, they cover all of the emergency services between them. In one town. Uh-huh. Yeah. Cooperatively from one town. I mean, right? they've got one episode where there's somebody going into a kind of an anaphylactic shock at the border. They leave them. Just watch them die. It's grim. <laughs> Point is, people are... No, people aren't helping each other in any kind of cooperative way in general in this society. And that's kind of the... That's kind of the... The, the seed of the issue, yeah. which is why it's all gone wrong. Of course. But so Dr. Zellaby here is going to Scotland too, yeah. as it turns out. So the main climax of the movie is a scene at North Berwick. Potentially you could have a scene of them trying to get across the border. Mm-hmm. I actually think probably from a pacing point of view, it worked better because they're trying to get to the coast. It would mm. work better if the scene at the coast is the climax. Yeah, scene. that makes sense. Uh, I imagine borrowing a lot from War of the Worlds here, both mm. kind of book and troubled Spielberg movie yeah. version for this final scene as North Berwick has seemingly become the last de facto place yeah. that people have begun to flee knowing they have a chance of getting out. Yeah. It's nighttime. It, it's not an industrial port. It's a small yeah. town, a small seaside town with a mm. pier. So you will have, you know, big lights, but not mm. like industrial lighting. Yeah. So if you can imagine a big wide shot where actually you've got a kind of moonlit sea, mm-hmm. and but then on the land all you can see yeah. is these spots of light that will just be teeming with people, like not a, yeah. not a gap, not a space anywhere, cool. just like a shifting mass of people. Yeah, it might yeah. even in such a way that it takes your eye a minute to even recognize mm. what we're yeah, yeah. looking at. Every small pool of light teeming with people, huge crowds of increasingly ill-tempered and increasingly violent people. Scenes of essentially good people turning bad in order to try and save themselves. Yeah. Other people resigning themselves to futility. I mean, you can you, you can picture it. We've yeah. we've seen movies like that. Before. Yeah. I also think you could go really dark and have a gunboat gunning people down from the sea, yeah. causing scenes of chaos because it's dark with mm. bits of light and just fucking tons of people and kind of. But it also doesn't force people town. to run away because they're desperate. So yeah. They will... Yeah. So my thinking here was that. By some horrific hook or crook, Maisie and maybe Clive do actually manage to get out. I'm thinking at the, at the point where they basically mm. get the fuck out of North Berwick again. They, they run, probably, they're probably heading down the coast on foot. Come across a small group with a boat being cut down by another group of heavies. And by boat, I mean like a kayak or some shit. Yeah. Like small, like yeah, yeah. insignificant to the point that it's only now that people are fighting yeah. to the death over it yeah. kind of thing. So Ben runs straight into the heavies in a nasty and ultimately fatal attempt to buy Maisie and Clive enough time to get in the boat. Mm-hmm. So cue a frightful scene with Maisie and Clive in the boat just offshore and the gang. <laughs> it's quite grim this. I've heard maybe Ben isn't quite dead, you know, yeah. and they're trying to get the tempt them back to the Oof. shore. You can imagine. That's, how, some, that's grim. Could be that's... fucking grim. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. It might be a bit dark, right? But he's been done with whoa, knives, that whoa, kind of stuff. Yeah, hey, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I was leaving it up for you to imagine, but yeah, 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 you could do all kinds of manky shit. 
fingers hitting the sand. <laughs> yeah, so the gang either doing stuff to bend, tempt them back, brackets, yuck, I wrote, mm-hmm. or streaming into the sea after them in a tense moment of will they, won't they get away. Yeah, I think Which I, I also thought would be quite I think exciting. you could have both. Yeah. I think you could, you could, you could <laughs> yeah. just do it all. Could do it all, I guess. Kitchen sink the ship. So anyway, in the final scenes, I envisage Maisie and Charles are rescued by a coalition forces boat once they hit international waters, which is what, that was 30 miles offshore? Yeah. But not before they've had a tense final 20 miles or so with all kinds of crafts trying to take them out once they've been spotted and assumed to be defectors. Only the sort of authoritarian police type crafts have any kind of guns. Everyone else has got blades or homemade modified Mm -hmm. weaponry of some sort, making it all the more kind of brutal. Between this and the beach idea with Ben's death, I think it has the potential to be quite a tense finish. And I don't see either of them getting out of it without some serious injury. Mm -hmm. If you want to be seriously grim about it, depending on what you've already done, you could have a bullet from one of the UK gunships take Clive out right as he's climbing into yeah. the rescue boat yeah. in the real final shot kind of thing. Take half his face off kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, like, <laughs> boom. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Missed him up. Yeah. So they get out. Maisie and or Maisie and Clive get out. The idea, first of all, I, I was thinking of authors like, obviously, H.G. Wells because of War yeah. of the Worlds. I, I mean, that's amazing because it's, it's so quintessentially British in its yep. locations and stuff. Yeah. And, and similarly, John Wyndham and John Buchan. Well, Wyndham, pretty much everything, and John Buchan's like 39 steps. I also say, well, that the first sort of act and the first first act and some of the second act is almost a bit like a Western for, for quite a while. There's a Western strong, there's like posses, there's like a, there's like a, a small holding. And then the film quite nicely shifts into like a whole other kind of thing. I'm going balls to the wall here. Of you, you're not. the one that does the smart ones. Well, I do the ones where, you know, there's 10 foot water set, demons. Set me up for some failure there, mate. <laughs> <laughs> so, the real thinking, I don't know if it's controversial or not, but I'm going to mm-hmm. say it anyway. Like, basically what I wanted to do was to try and figure out what would, and I don't know if I, I don't think I've achieved this, but this again yeah. was the starting kernel of, of thought, but what would a sort of true libertarian society look yes. like? Yes, yeah. So one without a centralised state or a minimised state, yeah. possibly minimised regional states. You know, it's and, and what would that do? What would mm. that sense of individualism bring? There is a bit of a fashion these days for tying stuff like compassion and empathy towards weakness or virtual signalling or being fashionable or whatever to try and undermine the idea of compassion. And I think in this society, one that you've created there, is basically like libertarianism without without any empathy. Yeah. Which does sometimes seem to be the what people want to happen. I suppose it's, you know, because I don't want to take too many swipes at libertarianism as a, as a, as a, you know, as a sort of political oh, I do. <laughs> <laughs> well, cuz look, it has just like any sort of yeah. political ideology, it has all kinds of areas that mm-hmm. you know, different different ways of implementing it, I guess. Yes. So it was more it was like, what would what would rampant individualism yeah. look like after 10 years or 15 mm. years? The reason that I tried to make it a semi-functioning society was because mm. people would try and make it yeah. a functioning society. Yeah. Well, I mean, but then other people would completely take advantage yeah. of all the new... Well, that's loopholes. the whole point of, of libertarianism, is as far as, as, far as I'm aware, the, the original doctrine was is essentially, to paraphrase, if everybody's equally selfish, everybody's fine. If everybody maintains their yeah. own personal interest at, at the expense of everybody else, it all balances itself out to being functional. 
Any ideas for names? <laughs> the obvious one is just no deal. <laughs> <laughs> just leave it as that. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Yeah. Do I you mean, know what? I wrote down stupid names as well, and that wasn't one of them. That was the only one I've been thinking of the whole I got, time. I got WTO rules. <laughs> That's better. That's really <laughs> yeah, good. Yeah, I was really pleased with that. Yeah, that's really um, But I, I didn't want to, I didn't want to, because genuinely I didn't, I wasn't thinking about this as a yeah. leave remain I, I do think. Uh, it wasn't that. Yeah. It was about the conceptual libertarianism and individualism. But I, and I thought WTO rules, I just fucking loved it. And I thought that's very that good. In. That's very good. I got the haymaker, but then I was like, I dropped that because I was like, can't call it the haymaker because uh, I was thinking haymaker, farmer, you yeah. know, like. But it's a the, and you know yeah. we can't do two this. So uh, the haymaker accountability. <laughs> That's and, like a, isn't that a John Grisham novel? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I thought um, no, that's the haymaker's daughter. Ooh, because because my main thing when he said like hay haymaker was that he's a relatively passive character. Yeah, but she isn't. No, so that changing. You're right focus. though. No, she well she's ultimately the main character. Yeah. I think. So I'm gonna say no deal or Haymaker's daughter. I mean, you didn't even go with WTO rules, man. It's oh yeah, no, yeah WTO rules. Better than WTO rules is better. Escape or from Haymakers. Great Britain. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> <laughs> I think that might oversell it. Yeah, I think that's it. All right, no, I like the Haymaker's daughter. We'll do that. No, that's, that's quite good. I'm quite happy with that. Nice. Well, that's my well wee story. Few. I mean, look, I feel like we've underdone the voices uh, because I, I, I need you've got to a few it. good ones in there. I need to set. I need to set it somewhere regional, like yeah. like Liverpool or something. Or I'll just set them all in Scotland and just keep hammering on that door. <laughs> um, <laughs> please get in touch. Yep. Tweet us at uh, at Lamampod, acronym of our name plus Pod, yep. on Twitter, uh, or email us at Let's Make a Horror Movie at gmail dot com. You can find us on Instagram. There is a bad video of me whistling on Oh, there. it's a lovely video. That. Is it? Yeah, it's good. Well, I don't know. You can see my car take its last ride. That's true, yeah, yeah. You can see um, Danny Filth looking fucking great. We're looking for recommendations for horror movies. Yeah. So do tweet us with some new or old, probably the obvious ones we've seen. Yeah. But if you've got it, like... Don't go off the beaten track a little bit. Off the beaten track. Yeah. Uh, give us a shout at Le Mans Pod. Yeah, even you can theme it to yes. near dystopian futures. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, not Children of Men. No, it's a great film, but we've seen good. it. It's good, but we've seen it. Yeah, fuck, fuck off with that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not watching it again, that <laughs> film I loved. It's got a Clive in it. <laughs> it's got a Clive. I mean, unbelievable. Fuck, what a coincidence. Yeah. Ooh. Oh, on that bombshell. Spooky. Yeah. Spooky. <laughs> <laughs> I'm shaking. <laughs> Anyway. Bye. <laughs> All right. Okay, <laughs> folks, let's make a horror movie.